Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This is Alex Pearson, Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. The integrity of our elections was not compromised. As part of those briefings, as part of all the security briefings I have on a regular basis on a wide range of subjects, including the interference into the affairs of our country by other countries, there has never been any information given to me on the funding of federal candidates by China. Ever? Prime Minister may want to check that. That was a comment the Prime Minister made back in November when Sam Cooper initially broke the story on Chinese electoral interference. And that was what the Prime Minister said. And then, of course, the answers have been all over the place since then. And so despite the Prime Minister stating he had never been briefed on this stuff, and that his highest security advisors dismissed it. Sam Cooper's gotten his hand on, uh, hands on two high-level security reports that came out after the 2019 election and another from 2022 that revealed the prime minister and his office and advisors very much had been warned that the Chinese government was funneling money to political candidates they preferred in the election. All news stories, all news stories, Jody Thomas said just last week. She, of course, is one of those people in... National Security, an advisor to the Prime Minister, and she testified last week at a committee hearing looking into these issues, and she said, it's just news stories. We, we didn't see any money going to the candidates. Let's ask Sam Cooper. Sam Cooper, investigative journalist with Global News, also author of Willful Blindness, How a Network of Narcos, Tycoons, and CCP Agents Infiltrated the West. Joining us now. Good to have you, Sam. Thanks for having me, Alex. Boy, you've been busy. It is an eight-minute report. It is quite explosive, and you basically contradict what the prime minister says within, I think, the first paragraph. Well, uh, the documents that I've reviewed from confidential sources with awareness, uh, the documents certainly seem to contradict the prime minister and his national security advisor, unless they don't read the documents that they produce or the documents that are produced for them. Alex, I'll mm-hmm. read you a quote. This is a January 2022 Privy Council Office memo. Again, the Privy Council Office is mandated to provide these reports for uh, Mr. Trudeau and his senior aides and cabinet ministers. I'll read a direct quote that I reviewed. Uh, this is about uh, in the report states that uh, at least 11 candidates and 13 aides were targeted in 2019 election interference by Chinese officials in Toronto. And here's the quote, quote, a large clandestine transfer of funds earmarked for the federal election from the People's Republic of China consulate in Toronto was transferred to an elected provincial government official via a staff member of a 2019 federal candidate, end quote. So Alex, as you remember, we Mm -hmm. reported last year on a sophisticated 
funding clandestine network involving many different members comprised of candidates, some aware, some unaware, that they were even part of this Chinese intelligence uh, spy and influence operation. Uh, But that quote cannot be uh, erased from the history of Canadian documentation. My sources say this document was foundational to a number of briefs for the Prime Minister and his senior Prime Minister's office aides in 2022 after this foundational document was provided for them. And uh, you mentioned the National Security Advisor and her her testimony. Indeed, she has said... uh, to the effect that we didn't, we, we never saw money going to 11 candidates. I will say that, you know, there's been a lot of parsing of these senior officials' comments. It's possible that they don't have what the RCMP would call evidence of money going directly from Beijing to 11 candidates. Mm-hmm. But what the, let, let's stress this. It needs to be stressed over and over. The Canadian intelligence reported up from CSIS to the Privy Council office, which boils down and takes out names of this intelligence, says China earmarked funds to interfere in the election and transfer them to a provincial official uh, via a federal candidate staff. Uh, that that is that you cannot. That's black and white. So I don't understand uh, Mr. Trudeau and his aides saying that they were not aware that China transferred funds into this candidate network. Well, either they're not looking, um, it could be plausible deniability, or maybe it is outright willful blindness. Um, You know, it's hard to think that they wouldn't have been alerted to any of this, because as you lay out in this report, um, there are a number of examples between 2015 to 2018 that you say there was targeting and funding of candidates. And so those things go to the prime minister, and and he has since said, you know, he looks at these things. Um, And the other part of the story that I find interesting is that David McGinty, who is chair of this National Security Intel Committee, confirms in the 2019 report given to the prime minister. um, And it it seems that it was confirmed that they had seen this this document and yet deny they knew anything. So who's not telling the truth here, Sam? Well, uh, as you know, Alex, there's been a, a the RCMP has now launched an investigation into uh, so-called leaks of sensitive documents. This story refers to such documents, and we uh, contacted the Prime Minister and his office and the National Security Advisor, and their answers are essentially, we won't respond uh, about uh, information obtained uh, wrongfully. Mm-hmm. So this is a very sensitive issue, but Look, Alex, I won't mince words. My sources stand by the information that uh, this intelligence is not willy-nilly provided to the prime minister and his office. It's very carefully, carefully vetted to the highest levels of CSIS and the Privy Council office and provided to protect Canada's democracy. My sources would say there's, first of all, they would say the prime minister has been briefed on this information repeatedly they would add that there's sensitivity issues because, as I've reported, members of the prime minister's party are alleged targets of CSIS in these investigations. Members of his office, yeah. at least one we've, we've now heard online, uh, was supported by a suspect uh, in a candidacy. So my sources would say if, if anyone is not being uh, accurate here, it is senior Canadian officials surrounding the prime minister. Did he himself read these documents. We don't know that. We don't know. But what my sources say and what the evidence suggests is his aides, uh, 
know this information and senior intelligence officials have repeatedly warned the, the prime minister's office and the prime minister about these investigations and the allegations of China's funding. Yeah. And look, I know you stand by the reporting and we don't just report this stuff willy nilly because there are a lot of consequences if it's wrong. And so there's not a newsroom out there, whether it's Global or Globe and Mail or anybody who would report this stuff if it didn't pass, you know, a number of vetting checks, lawyering, et cetera. So, you know, when when, you know, his top security advisor says this is just all news stories and they dumb it down or they say it's inaccurate. Uh, we have enough now uh, to know that someone's not being honest here. And uh, and and I think. We'll wait and see how the day plays out on this. Having said that, you know, it's interesting because we've also heard about the um, OPP or the, sorry, Ontario MPP that played a role um, that you report that the group included. But look, we know liberals and conservatives were both either witting or unwitting participants. We don't know what role or how it was played out, but we know that there is this connection to the, um, the Ontario legislature. And I think most people would assume, Sam, that that is uh, Michael Chen, and I don't know if that is who you're naming in, in, in this as the connection, or are there others in Queen's Park that, that need to be questioned? That, that is a very, a very current subject of investigation for myself. And I'll, I'll tell you this, there are, as, as you've indicated, there's a lot of lawyers, there's a lot of vetting. This is now a national scandal. Uh, many calls for a public inquiry that would, would get to the bottom uh, but we don't know if we'd name names. I can tell you this. My my uh, visibility on these sensitive documents says that this isn't about federal candidates. It's about all levels of government and the uh, the flexibility and the fluidity of Chinese intelligence and influence operations is they have multi levels of yeah. government, multi parties working towards the same goal. Uh, and so uh, who could be involved in the legislator uh, formerly or currently? That's something I, I'm not ready to name names, but Alex, I'm working on it. Oh, I bet you are. Yeah, I know uh, when you say stay tuned to do just that. One of the big problems here, Sam, and there are a number of them, is that it's very hard to investigate this stuff. And I don't get the sense that there is a, a lot of looking uh, or eagerness or will to actually dig into this. And in the areas that they're not looking, I mean, they're not looking riding to riding. Um, they're not looking uh, into nomination campaigns, which you report in this, uh, you know, there's a lot of money apparently being poured into these nomination campaigns to get the right candidate for China to uh, get elected. That None of that has been investigated. So I, I don't really get the sense that there is uh, actual investigation other than at the national level kind of overlooking everything, I don't get the sense that we're getting a really uh, deep dig in here as to how how far this has gone. I would agree. You know, uh, myself and my colleague Stuart Bell, who've reported on the, the disruption of these linked Chinese police stations, which our sourcing indicates involved the very same suspects involved in alleged proxy funding of preferred candidates, I, I would agree with you that I see that the RCMP is focusing rightly on the Chinese uh, or Asian diaspora should not be threatened, attacked and intimidated in Canada's democracy. Mm -hmm. And they have been for too many years. Those are active investigations. But why I agree with you is our sourcing is that the RCMP believes it's very challenging and difficult to investigate Canadian politicians who they often could be reporting to on this intelligence of Chinese interference. And yet same politicians, either knowingly or unknowingly, could be involved in the operations. Right. This is 
an incredible catch 2022 <laughs> catch 22 and it's a i agree with you i don't see a level of focus from the rcmp on what we could call a, a political insider threat of powerful politicians allegedly involved in benefiting in these operations boy oh boy I'm out of time, Sam, but I could definitely do a couple of segments on this. But I know that you've got more, and I know that this will flush out during the day, so it'll be a fascinating uh, Wednesday. Thanks for making it a lot busier for us. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. That is Sam Cooper, who uh, he's been working on this file. Just so you know, this story didn't just come overnight. He's been working on this file for over 10 years. With the money laundering, the fentanyl out in B.C., the money connections between politicians, that's taken years to build. So it's not just news stories. These things take time. And, you know, he's also, if you want to see it all laid out, you've got to read Willful Blindness. None of this will then surprise you because it lays all of the groundwork out for you. So stay tuned on this, as Sam would say. More to come. This is an issue that needs to be taken extremely seriously. This government has always taken it extremely seriously. And to be quite honest, I know that no matter what I say, Canadians continue to have questions about what we did and what we didn't. And that is why an independent special rapporteur is going to be able to look at the entire landscape and dig deeply into everything anyone knew at any point and come back to it. So I as see you can already, as can already, as they aren't buying what he's selling. That is the prime minister this morning heading into uh, whatever he was doing and the reporters got him. And uh, he that's what happens when the prime minister gets a mic stuck in his face and he doesn't want to answer a question. He just comes out and he says a bunch of stuff, but uh, he, he does not want to talk about this. And he's going to be questioned about what he knew when, because Sam Cooper, as you've been uh, hearing through the show, has confirmation of two high-level security reports out after the 2019 election and another from 2022 that reveal he did. And his officer, office and advisors had been warned that the Chinese government was funneling money to political candidates in the election. And so where it goes from here... I don't know. We're going to find out. However, opposition who have been uh, demanding an inquiry certainly will want uh, as much independence as they can get now. And they can go around the prime minister and force a vote next week. But I'm sure they're all figuring out their next steps at this point. Nonetheless, polling shows overwhelmingly. Take the politics out of it. Canadians want to know what happened. Want to know who knew what when and fix it. They want to know if this country's been compromised. I want to bring Charles Burton into this conversation, senior fellow over at the McDonald Laurier Institute, former counselor at the Canadian Embassy in Beijing. Good morning, Charles. Good morning, Alex. It's been quite busy. And so what do you make of the uh, recent allegations uh, leveled by Sam Cooper? Well, I, you know, I think they have a high degree of credibility. I mean, as, as I've uh, said before, I, you know, I was the 
I did write the foreword to his book, Willful Blindness, so I guess I have some degree of conflict of interest here. But, you know, I, I think he's a, a, a reporter that tells the truth and somehow or other is able to convince people on the inside to show him secret documents that they feel should be seeing the light of day. And, uh, you know, this suggests it's getting in deeper and deeper. I mean, the fact that the that the Liberals' former foreign minister, mm-hmm. uh, Mark Garneau, has just uh, resigned from Parliament, it seems to be a sign that there's a sort of drip, drip, drip effect here as, uh, as uh, the party itself wants to disassociate itself from allegations that the Prime Minister may not have been acting in the Canadian interest uh, with regard to China, but more in the interests of his political party and himself, which is, you know, an extremely serious allegation that I think we'd like to get cleared up. And, you know, we just need to know if that's true or not. Well, certainly now. I mean, I I don't know how, um, you know, last uh, week Jody Thomas uh, flipped off these reports as just, you know, these are news stories as if they didn't happen. And now we've got confirmation of these memos that had been presented. And so we've got the ink on this, the receipts as they call them. The Prime Minister keeps saying he's extremely serious about this issue, that they have long been warning about all this stuff and they're going to get to the bottom with this investigation. Charles, I've been talking to you for years about this. <laughs> You've been warning. Everyone else has been warning. This government has not been warning. And, and the concern is that this is a bunch of kabuki theater to make this all go away. The reality is we have an issue in this country of foreign interference, whether it's China, Iran, others. And we've got candidates, you know, allegations that there's an MPP in Queen's Park that may be, you know, somehow involved in this. We've got, you know, politicians possibly being given money from an outside country. Um, And and we don't really have anyone who seems to have the will to get to the bottom of it. I mean, when you listen to some of the testimony we heard from last week, it's all, well, we looked at it at a national level, but they're not really looking at it at all, certainly not up close, and they're not looking at the nominations or anything else. So I don't get the sense we're real serious about this. Well, I mean, especially as, you know, the 2019 election was almost four years ago, and they're still saying we take it very seriously and taking all sorts of action. Unfortunately, we can't tell you what it is because that would reveal Canadian secrets. But the bottom line is that, you know, we have no confidence that there's been anything done to try and stop more foreign interference in the next election. And whether or not, you know, the foreign interference actually impacted on how many seats the Conservatives might have won if if we hadn't been giving a free reign to the Chinese regime to engage in, you know, illegal activities or not. The point is that it's completely unacceptable for a foreign government to be overseeing um, agents engaged in illegal fundraising or or engaged in libel and slander of um, candidates with a view to to getting the candidates that favor China elected. And you know, that that's really the bottom line here. And with regard to the prime minister, we just want to know what he knew, when he knew it, and why he didn't act on it. And, you know, if he wasn't apprised of this information, who was keeping it from him? I mean, there's just a number of very simple questions. And all he has to do is be transparent about it, allow our parliamentarians to have the information that they need to make a determination one way or another. But, you know, yesterday mm-hmm. I tuned into the to the uh, Procedure and House Affairs Committee meeting at 3.30 to see how it was going with getting a uh, a resolution passed that the Prime Minister's uh, Chief of Staff should come in to give evidence. Yeah, and the Liberal members didn't show up, uh, so there was no quorum. So 
you know, the, the committee couldn't proceed. Well, I mean, that sort of stuff really looks pretty bad. You know, like what exactly are they hiding and why are they hiding it? Good question. But this is a perfect example of the games that could be played with this committee where you're not going to let Katie Telford testify. I mean, she is she probably knows more about running this country than the prime minister. So you're not going to let her testify and then you're going to filibuster these things. And so we obviously do not have a procedure in place that can get to the bottom of this quickly. I don't know how we have any election, um, you know, that Canadians will feel like something's not been compromised. I think people just want the answers. And it's it's not like we're going to get them soon. Um what needs to happen, Charles, in your mind? And, and how's China going to be reacting to this? Because I don't think they're going to be very happy. Well, I mean, obviously, they feel that, you know, whatever friends they have in the Liberal Party are, have not been defending them properly. And, you know, that's really the dynamic that you saw when the when the leader of China, Xi Jinping, engaged uh, with our prime minister at the uh, at the G20 meeting. You know, like, how dare you? Uh, uh, yeah. reveal to the press that that you're concerned about uh, interference you know that that seems to be a notion that they thought that that Canada is uh, in the bag and will and they can continue to influence us and keep us from allying with the United States um, you know wholeheartedly to defend against China's international um, uh, expansion schemes in the South China Sea and Taiwan and so on and you know I think Canadian people are finally getting to the point where they're starting to agree with things that, as you say, you and I have been saying for some years, which is... You've been saying it a lot longer than me, but yeah, yeah you must uh, you look at this and you say, well, at least people are talking about it now. Yeah, I mean, who wants to have a, a weak, compromised Canada? You know, we should be standing up for what's right, our laws and values. And, you know, the, the notion that the Chinese might be helping one political party over another is uh, help that that political party should not be accepting under any circumstances whatsoever. But it's also, you know, uh, if the prime minister is so, you know, the prime minister of Australia was very clear last week. I was watching an interview and he said, Canada's got to put as much sunlight on this as possible. You have to put this under China's nose so that they know you're looking at it. They know you're not scared. And the Canadian people have uh, confidence. This is not happening. We have a prime minister who keeps stonewalling all of this. And so people start to ask, well, what does he have to hide? I mean, could he be compromised by this? And so that is the question that starts to get, um, you know, raises how deep in is China? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing is that you would have thought if there's nothing to worry about here, he should be enthusiastic about his chief of staff going and speaking to, to a parliamentary committee to clear things up and, mm -hmm. and answer their questions and allay these very, very serious concerns that we have. But they're, they're you know, they're hell bent for leather to, to try and stop this process if they possibly can. And I really wonder, you know, if when the resolution eventually gets through, I mean, the Liberals can't filibuster forever, mm -hmm. if Ms. Telford will actually appear or whether she will risk being in contempt of Parliament um, by uh, turning down the invitation or refusing to respond to the MP's legitimate questions. Yeah, well, um, at some point, I mean, the reports are not stopping um, and they can only drip for so long. And so yeah. it could be a very interesting Wednesday. It could be an interesting rest of the week. So, Charles, I appreciate your time. I know how busy you are. Good to speak with you. Take care. That is Charles Burton. Joining us in such a valuable, valuable voice on this. Um, I've loved talking to him throughout the years, and uh, he's, he has been warning for a very, very long time about this.
got our interest rate news. Not a surprise. Rates staying the same for now. For now. Because there are a lot of warnings from economists saying it will go again. This is just a pause. But uh, look what's going on. On across uh, the border with our neighbors, it will go up. They're predicting another rate hike possibly in the fall of another point. But today we'll take the pause, you know, because a lot of people are being affected by this. It, you know, you get these interest rate hikes, and we got eight of them last year, but it takes a while for the pylon to start. And it has started for a lot of people because they're seeing their mortgage rates go up by hundreds, if not a couple, you know, $1,000 a month. It's a, it's a lot. And... According to data from the Financial Regular Regulator Authority in this province, they've seen a 72% jump in Canadians taking out private mortgages. And when you see the numbers and compare it, in 2019, the number was at $13 billion worth. 2021, and we haven't gotten later numbers than that, $22.5 billion has been taken out in private mortgages. And this is because... Uh, you know, you go get a private loan if you can't get one at the bank or maybe pass a stress test. But these are loans that are more expensive, uh, carry more debt, more risk. And across the GTA, they are making up um, big numbers of the power of sales. And so what does this spell moving forward? Ron Butler, mortgage specialist with Butler Mortgage. And uh, I'm telling a lot of people, go talk to Ron because you don't want to make any of these rash decisions. But what are you seeing in the market, Ron? Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So this was a big piece of news from the Ontario regulator. Uh, we, all, we all knew that private mortgage lending was way up, but this was an enormous number. 72% is just dramatic, obviously. It's big. And it, it is a telling indication of things going wrong. Uh, when people have to search out rates that are almost double mm -hmm. what the bank's rates are, that is a dangerous and difficult scenario that, that, let's face it, people had to be forced into it. Nobody would take 10% interest rate on a first mortgage if they didn't have to. So it's, it's a serious problem. It is a serious problem. And I think most people, Ron, like no one wants to go into that situation. If you can, you want the best rates, best protections with a bank. Uh, but again, it's hard to get money um, in, in these you know situations. So people go into these loan situations you're supposed to go in for like a year and then you have to renegotiate, but it's a hard pattern to get out of once you're in it. Well, that's the truth. It's, it's sometimes portrayed as a temporary measure, but because of the things that are going on in the banking world, it becomes almost permanent. When you see the kind of rate increases that we've had in the last year, when you hear about the federal bank regulator planning on further tightening of mortgage rules, in the late summer or fall, mm -hmm. uh, something that might have been a plan for one year is just going to become a monumental difficulty that goes on and on. So we've got a number of, of people, you know, we've got this spike. And so I, I guess the, the concern, though, is this, that we could see a wave of defaults. And then how does that impact the entire uh, market of real estate? I mean, it, it, it creates a, an imbalance and an uncertainty for sure. But how do you see this uh, possibly affecting um, the real estate market? <clears throat> Well, so far, we haven't seen much default yeah. in the private. But although, here's something very interesting. Of all of the sale, houses being offered on a power of sale basis in Ontario, roughly 50% of them are the result of private mortgages, even though private mortgage is still a small segment of the mortgage market. So there's a telling increase. But here's the thing. It will still be small. And most importantly, it hasn't really gotten going yet. yet. The power of sale process takes nearly nine months just to reach the point where you could yeah. 
offer to sell the house. So we're going to see a lot more of it in the coming months. Well, I think you had pointed out June, July could be tricky, but certainly I think, uh, you know, I think people will do whatever they can uh, to, to kind of squeeze through and hopefully get through the, the tough times. It's just we don't really know when it's going to stop because interest, you know, they held the rates today and inflation looks like it's uh, moving in the right direction, but that can all change. And, and it's not taking the cost of living down. There's a real drag uh, that's going to be with us for, uh, for a number of months. And so do you know how much these private lenders will work with clients to get them through? Uh, you know, are they like the banks or are they more predatory? Well, the truth is they don't have any options. They can't be like the banks. They don't have billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of reserves. They have to be activists. They have to say, well, if you can't pay my money back, because that happens too, sometimes you just get a letter stating, we want the mortgage repaid, and that's devastating. But if they need their money back, they are absolutely going to go quickly into the full process of selling that house. Yeah. And so what are you telling your clients? Because the stress test is not being changed. Um, it, it, and the banks obviously are, are more um, nervous, jittery about lending right now because they don't want to get stuck in a situation. And so what are you telling your, your clients? Let's say you've got a client, uh, you know, trying to get a mortgage. They don't really qualify for the stress test. But like, I don't think, you know, necessarily you want to go into the private side of things. What are you, what are you telling them? Well, for people, nobody chooses this. Nobody chooses private lending. But there's a lot of accidents coming up. There's a lot of things that are forcing people into trouble. Picture this. You bought a house, a new construction home, uh, a nice detached home in the northern part of the GTA. And you have to wait 18 months for it to get built. And that closing is coming up pretty soon. Now, here's the thing. The value of that house has dropped because you bought at the peak in 2021. So private lending may be your only option not to lose your real estate deposit and not to lose uh, in a lawsuit, which would definitely happen if you failed to close. So unfortunately, there's some specific areas where pressure for private lending in favor of private lending will continue. Mm -hmm. That's all a bad thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, is there anything that you're predicting um, and seeing you know, wh- when do you feel like we're going to see the biggest part of the drag um, before we kind of get on the other side of this? Or, or can we even determine that? Well, as I said before, we will understand all of this much better by the end of the summer. Much, much better. We'll know more. Because yeah. here's the other thing. We will know what's going to happen in the U.S. Federal Reserve. We're going to know whether they're going to take a big bump and force Canada into another increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's a really wonky economy mm-hmm. where we've got... You know, job market, strong job market, you know, we've got, uh, you know, we have some things going for us. And then we've got this other side of it where it's like GDP's flattened. We've got, uh, you know, high inflation. And it's just, it's a wonky, weird kind of report. But uh, I guess we'll stay tuned on this. Ron, no question about it. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you so much. Take care. There you go. That's Ron Butler, who uh, is with Butler Mortgage. And uh, tough times, no question about it. But that is something to keep an eye on. We will see where this story takes us, and we will continue to cover it. And uh, certainly we'll keep you updated. And it's a busy news day in general because we've got interest rates, all this other stuff. But I thank you so much for listening. We'll see what we have to chew on for tomorrow. Thank Heather Purden, Mr. Corey Manuel, to get this show to air. And uh, let's see what we get. Thank you very much. Have a terrific one, guys. I'm Alex Pearson. This is 640 Toronto.